Uh, for those that don't know me, my name is Chris. I am the missions pastor here. As Corey said earlier, Landon is away on vacation, a much-earned vacation. And so we just pray that as he's away, he can find some time to rejuvenate and uh, just enjoy his family as he's away. Well, as you know, we're going through Psalms right now. We're not praying, we're not teaching through all of the Psalms, but we are just hitting certain Psalms. Today, we're going to be in Psalms one, or Psalm 139, and so if you want to go ahead and turn to 139 and have that ready. As most of you know, we leave for Kenya in about two and a half weeks. We've got a group of 43 going, and I don't think it's a coincidence that God had me study Psalm 139 before that we leave for Kenya, because if you don't know me, you know that I am a little OCD and a little when it comes to certain things. And this is a really good lesson for me to know that God is in control. He is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. And it doesn't matter what I want to do. He's going to do the way he has it set anyway. And so this has been really good for me uh, to study this uh, the last few weeks. And so as we start with Psalm 139, we know that um, it's all about the all-knowing, the ever-present, all-powerful God. David wrote this psalm. It's a psalm of confession to God. It's a psalm of confession saying that I know that you are all-knowing. I know that you are all-powerful. I know that you are ever-present. You are everywhere. Basically, this psalm is also broken into about four, four separate easy stanzas or parts. Uh, the first group talks about his omniscience. He's all-knowing. Uh, The second group is his omnipresence. He is everywhere. He is present everywhere. You can't escape him. The third talks about he's all-powerful. He is over all creation. He created everything. He he, he controls all of creation. And then the fourth or the last part or stanza of this psalm is David's response to God's omniscience. And so there's a lot of lessons for us uh, in this psalm. There's a few things that I want want you to see here. The first is that the omniscient character of God stands on the fact that he knows everything about me and he is present everywhere that I am. Now some of us, when I say some of us, some of us in this world don't believe that. They don't think, well, how can one God, one supreme being be all-knowing and and just be control over everything? We're going to talk about that today. The second thing is in his omniscience, God has set your destiny within his purpose. Guys, if we could come to grips with that, that in his all-knowing, all-powerful way, he has set your destiny within his plan, within his purpose. And the third thing is, is that God desires to know us personally. And I think David really captures that really well in this psalm, that he's not a distant God. He's not a God who pulls away from us. He is a God who desires to know us and know us well and know us deeply. And he wants the same thing for us as well. He wants us to know him deeply. So we have some responses to, to Psalm 139, to the omniscience of God. <clears throat> some believe that God doesn't even exist at all. Some believe that there's no way that this, that, that this God exists. You can call him atheist. Uh, Psalm 14.1 says these people are fools. He says they are, the fools say in their heart there is no God. They are corrupt, they do abominable deeds, and there is none who is good. Another uh, response to this is some believe that the God exists, but how is it possible that he could know everything about me, know everything about what goes on in the world? How is this even possible? Well, if you look in Psalm 44, 21, it says that God knows the secrets of our heart. 
you know. So God knows the deep, dark secrets of our heart. You know that I love Africa. I love everything about Africa. And I was, as I was studying this, and as we were beginning to return to Kenya in a few weeks, um, I've got a really cool commentary that Corey gave me uh, about the, all the scripture and how um, people in Africa, African pastors, have related scripture to things that they deal with specifically in Africa. One of the things that I found is that our God, the Hebrew God, Yahweh, loves us. He wants to dwell with us. He does not pull back from us. He wants to be intimately involved with us. And, then, and you look at some of the cultures in Africa. Uh, you talk about Ghana over in West Africa. They have a, 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 there's a, like a Ghanaian tradition that says that the, the women there, they use a pestle. You know, a pestle is a little thing that they use to grind corn or maize or whatever they use that. Well, as the, as the ladies are, are sitting there grinding yams, as the lady would take her backswing, she kept hitting the God in the face. And so he says, you know what? I'm tired of getting hit in the face. And so I'm pulling back. So you can't hit me no more. I'm going away. And so he pulls back. There's another, another tradition uh, of the Nigerian people, the Igbo, that says that when they make soup, um, they, they'll actually break off a piece of heaven, put it in the soup to make it sweet. And so the God says, well, eventually you're going to consume all of heaven. So I'm moving heaven out of your reach so you can't touch it anymore. Okay, that is not the God we serve. Our God wants to be intimately involved with us. He does not pull back so that we cannot access him. And so as we, as we talk about maybe those, that, some of the different African cultures, we're no different than them. We have, we have people just like that here. We just may not call it a religion, but we think that we can pull back from God or that God is distant from us. That is not the case. He wants a relationship with us. So as we begin to talk about Psalm 139, we know that as David's writing this, it is a confession to him saying, yes, you are all-knowing. You are ever-present. I cannot escape you, and you are all-powerful. <clears throat> and so if you would, let's, let's go ahead and read Psalm 139. It's a little lengthy, but it's a, it's a really good psalm. And I, and I want you to really pay attention to, to David and what he's saying here. <clears throat> to the choir master, a psalm of David. O Lord, you have searched me, and you have known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down, and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before, and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is light with you. For you formed me in my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them. The days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. 
How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. And I awake and I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Let's pray. God, as we read your word today, God, I just pray that as, as we do read this, that we are open to what you have to say, say to us today, God. I pray that you would speak through me, that I may speak, speak clearly, and God, that you would just touch the lives of those here, and that if there's someone here who does not know you personally today, God, that today would be that day for them. So God, just uh, be among us. Uh, we welcome your presence here this morning, God. We thank you for these things. Amen. All right. Psalm 139. So the first thing I want to point out here is that, remember, this is, a, this is a psalm of confession, a song of worship to God. And the first thing we see here David doing is that we, he is worshiping God for his omniscience. Okay? Uh, God sees and knows everything. I know that's, that can really be hard to wrap your mind around, but he sees and knows everything. There are so many things going on on a daily basis just in my own little personal world, but to think that he is all-knowing, all-seeing of the universe. And so we see here that he is all-knowing on a, on a large scale, on a micro, macro level. And so we see here in Psalm 147, 4 through 5, that he determines the number of stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in, in power. His understanding is beyond measure. And so he is all-knowing. He, is, he knows everything about the universe. He, he numbers stars. He makes sure that, it, that the sun is just far enough away from us that we can survive. The, we need the moon for whatever the moon does. Because uh, I'm, <laughs> I don't know. Except we just went there and we came back and we want to go again. Okay? But he is all-knowing. On, on a huge, grand scheme, he is all-knowing. And then he's even, if you take that down a little, little further, on a micro level. And so we see here in Matthew that uh, are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father, but even the number of hairs on your head are all numbered. And so he, he is concerned and he is all-knowing about the huge grand scheme of things, but he is, he is also concerned with the things like the number of hairs on my head. And for some of us, that's real easy because some of us don't have any. Right, But he is worried about the small, minute things. He is all-knowing. Now, I want, to, I want you to get this, that David is not, he's not trying to teach us the doctrine of God's omniscience. He is actually praising God for his omniscience. He is in awe of it. He's in wonder of it. He's amazed by it. And so that, that, that is a, something that we need to do on a daily basis. We need to remember and, and be amazed at his omniscience, about how he is in control of all. In his ability to see and know everything, it's kind of, he does this exhaustively. And so he doesn't have to think about it. He doesn't have to plan it out. He doesn't have to look at his calendar and say, okay, well, this week we're just going to let this happen. He does it exhaustively. He knows. He knows. It's like it says in this first psalm. He has us hemmed in. He knows before and he knows after. He knows everything about 
what's going on and going to happen. God cannot sit under another teacher. If he was, he would not be the most high God. So he, cannot, he can't learn. Have you ever thought about that? God can't learn because he knows it all. He can't sit under somebody else for somebody to teach him something because he would not be the most high God. That is the God that you serve. That is the God that sustains you. It's powerful stuff. This is one that gets me because I get surprised all the time. God is never surprised. Okay? He is never surprised about anything that's happening in this world. We read the news, we turn on the TV, and we see all the craziness that's going on in the world. God knows that. God has ordained that. Nothing surprises him. And so that should, yes, we react to it in different ways, but that should also give us comfort that God knows everything about everything that's going on in this world, even as scary as it can be. God's knowledge and wisdom is perfect. There are no flaws in it. That is another thing that's hard for me to grasp is that there's no flaws in God's plan for me. Yes, I trust that. I believe that. But his plan for me is perfect. In Romans 11.33, Paul had some of, the same, um, some of the same thoughts about God's wisdom and knowledge and being perfect. As you said, David wrote, you know, it, it is, it's just too high. I can't, I can't attain it. And Paul kind of says the same thing as when he's talking about the, the depth of, of God. And he says, oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable are his ways. Have you ever thought about that? Actually sat down and thought about that. How could you ever, ever question God on anything that has ever gone on in this world? He, he knows everything about what's happening. It's just, it's just mind-boggling if you think about it. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable are his ways. Inscrutable are his ways. That really sticks out to me. We just finished a study. I facilitated a study with our students talking about the, the explicit gospel and what the gospel is. And, and we sat on this verse for a little bit. How could we ever scrutinize anything that God has ever done? How could we scrutinize his plans for me personally, for us as a church, and for the world. We cannot do that. We can't, we, can't, we can't scrutinize him. And think about this. So we know about God's omniscience. We know about he's all-knowing. Have you ever thought about all of that energy, all of his power, all of his wealth, all of his knowledge, all of his wisdom, that's used for sustaining you, for sustain, sustaining you until the end, until Jesus comes back. And so that's not wasted energy on God's part. That, that energy is poured into us as a church and us as a, as a world and us as a church to go into the world. That it's there for us to sustain us and bring us to the end. It's powerful stuff. And so as we talk about the omniscience of God this morning, um, there's some responses that we can have just in his omniscience. We can, for those of us who think, well, I'm, I'm, I have some stuff that, I, want, that I, I like to keep to myself that I hide that we do in the dark places. Well, you know what? There are no dark places with the Lord, and we'll see that in a little bit. Um, even for us, some of us who think, well, I don't have nothing to hide. I'm, 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 I'm pretty much perfect, you know? Everybody, people that know me know I'm perfect. I don't have any flaws, you know? Well, God knows that, because we just saw that God knows the secrets of our heart. Guys, there is no one perfect other than Jesus Christ, and we know that. Um, but we should use God's omniscience, his all-knowing, as a refuge, and not as a threat. Because when you come to 
when you come to the, the terms with that God is omniscient, that he does know everything and his plan is perfect, we should use that as, as a refuge, a place to, of grace and a place to hide in and not a, not a threat that we got big brother looking down on us and he's just got there with his finger on us and wanting. No, we should find refuge in his, all, in his all-knowing capabilities. He is our judge and we cannot hide from him. So the second thing I want to, we want to look at is his omnipresence. Uh, God is ever-present. And one of the things David picked up on, God is omniscient because he is able to be everywhere and he is, he is able to see everything. There is no, there is no escape uh, from the presence of God. And David, David kind of pointed this out in, in a few verses here. In verse 8, he uses some imagery uh, in, like in, in heaven or hell. Uh, he kind of refers back to Amos, the prophet Amos, as, as he was talking about the judgment of the people. Uh, in verse 8, it talks about um, even, if you, even if, you go da- if you go down and try to hide in hell, my hand will take you and I will get you. If you go to heaven, my hand will there. God is, is people think that when you go to hell, it's going to be a party, Satan's over it, and we're just going to, you know, we don't, we don't need God. But no, Satan is there as a captive just like those without Jesus. He's going to be there one day. And God has rule and dominion over that. God is there in his, in his judicial aspect. He is our judge. It says here that in, in verse 9, David uses some more imagery to the east or to the west. And so if you look at Israel, and as the sun comes up in the east, you know, even God is in the east. And if you go all the way to the west where the sun sets in the, in the sea, God is there as well. There is nowhere he can escape from, from the presence of God. And we all know the story of Jonah, right? Jonah was given strict rules to leave Joppa and go to Nineveh. But what did Jonah do? He said, I'm not doing that. Okay. He was gonna, he's going to go down to Tarshish and... Even in the middle of the sea, God found Jonah, right? And so there is no escape from the presence of, of God. David knew that he could not hide in the darkness because even, even as God, with God, everything, God is light. God created light. In him there is no darkness. And so David knew even in the dark places, God would be there. One of the things that we, we think about when we think about the omnipresence, the, the ever-presence of God is that um, we all one day will sit before him. Uh, we will all, whether we confess to be a believer of Jesus Christ and we're a Christ follower or whether we don't, it doesn't matter. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna be judged. You're going to have to give an account for the things that we, that we have done. Uh, in he- Hebrews 4.13, it says, Nothing in all creation is, is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Guys, God is pursuing us so that you can stand righteous before that day. I hope, I, hope that you, I hope that you hear that today, that you, God is pursuing us. You know, for, I forget how long it was, we went through Luke, and our Luke, our, our theme verse for Luke was what? There you go, 1910, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. He is pursuing us. He is pursuing us so that one day that we can stand righteous before our judge. All right, the third thing. Worship God for his omnipotence. He is all powerful. So when I think of power, you know, I, I'm kind of a, a weather nerd. I like, like, I've got all these phone apps. I like to check the weather all the time. And I like, I've just, if you want to know what the weather's going to do next week, call me and I'll tell you. And I don't mind. Uh, but when I think of power, I think of nature. 
I think of hurricanes, I think of tornadoes, I think of thunderstorms, I think of all these crazy things. And I, when I think that God has control over all of that, that's just an amazing, it just amazes me that he can, I, if you've ever been on a cruise and you've been out in the middle of the ocean, you think when you're, say, in Galveston or Florida, you're getting on a boat, you're on this massive, huge ship. But when you get in the middle of the ocean, you think, this boat is nothing, right? This boat is nothing out here. And you get out there and a little storm might come in, you get to rocking a little bit. It's just God has control over those waves. And we saw all through Jesus' teachings that he controlled all of those aspects of nature. He is all-powerful. David, when, we start, when David starts talking about the, the all-powerful nature and the character of God, David, David associated that with his own, with his own con- conception. And so he knew that even in the, the places that he could not see God, that God was at work. And that was even in his own creation. And so when you think about creation and what has to take place there uh, is, is an amazing thing. And David realized that. You know, when the, when the father's sperm meets the mother's egg and then cells start to separate and all this craziness happens and the, the miracle of birth, you know, when that happens, the Bible, this, this scripture right here teaches the individuality of a child. And it's not stopped unless God wants it stopped or somebody deliberately stops it. And so David was saying, I am amazed that you know how to make all this work and that even in the dark places where I I don't see you at work, you are working. You worked to form me. Even before uh, I was a thought, you knew my days. You ordained my days. And in that power, God is able to do all of these amazing things. You know, a lot of people like, like the, the section of Scripture here where, where, it, where David says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you actually believe that? Do you, do you actually believe that you were fearfully and wonderfully made? I hope you do, because you are. You are. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Uh, and God has ordained each one of our days. Now, in, our, in us, we, you know, we, God has set a plan for us. He is, we, our, our, our purpose, like we talked about a while ago, our destiny is within his purpose. And, and we do have a small role in that. We, we have to take care of ourselves. We have to do the things that, we, that um, God has laid before us. We can either walk through the door or we can not walk through that door. But we have a, we have a responsibility in ourselves. Uh, and I don't, want, I don't want to give you the impression that, well, God's got a purpose and I'm just going to, just walk out the door and I'm going to quit work and God's just going to supply me with money. And No, we have a, we have a purpose. We have a purpose in our, in our plan, in his destiny. And so for some of us, that looks different. We're all, I mean, God created us individually, but you just know that you have a purpose in that plan. And so don't just think that you can, I'm just going to live life and life is going to be good and my bank account's going to be full and I'm never going to have any trouble because that's not the case, okay? Um, Here also in verse 18, we, we see that David says there's, there's, no, there's no separation from God. David knows that there's no way he can sleep. He says, when I'm awake, you are there. When I'm asleep, you are there. Okay, there's no separation from God. Romans 8, 38 and 39 says, For I am sure that neither life, that neither death nor life, nor angels, angels, angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor power, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Guys, I hope you believe that. I know there's a, there's a lot of talk about once saved, always saved, and well, 
we believe that. That is, we, that is in our doctrine, that if you truly heard the word of the Lord and you accepted, accepted him as your, as, your, as your savior, no one can take you from, from the love of God. No, nothing can separate you from that love. And David, David really understood this. We all know David. We know his story. David was through a lot. Okay? And David, David if a lot of, if, just like a lot of people, deserved uh, a lot worse than what David got. But God loved him, and God is faithful to his promise. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. And so what was David's response as, as we look at this last section, section of Scripture here? Um, and, and this is where some of the commentaries that I study, they kind of conflict a little bit on what they thought about David's response, or the first part, the first part of it anyway. We see here that David... Um, David wants no part of the evil that men desire and devise, okay? And so we see here that he talks about bringing down judgment on these people. Some of, some of the commentary writers believe that this is an imprecatory psalm where he's actually calling down judgment on the people that, that threaten God and threaten David and the people of, of his time and of the way. Um, more, more common commentators that, that rely on the fact that David was not actually wanting to kill all these people. He was just not wanting anything to do with them because you've, you've heard the statement, um, uh, love the sinner, hate the sin. Well, David knew that for him that, that wouldn't work because he could, he could fall right into the trap of that sin and he wanted nothing to do with it. And I think, and you've you got to remember the context of this. This is before this is before Jesus. This is, on the, this is on the other side of the cross. Now, us on the other side of the cross, we have grace. We have mercy. We try to show people grace, and we show mercy. And so as David is calling down judgment, he's like, these people, we need to kill them. We, 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 want, we want to get rid of them. They're, they're, they're oppressing us. They're, they're doing all these things. You know that I hate them. You know that, that I loathe them because they come against you. Well, I want you to, 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 to remember that on the other side of the cross, we have Jesus. And Jesus taught that we should pray for our enemies and that we should show grace and show mercy. And so that's one of the things that um, I wanted you to, to see here is that, is that now that we have Jesus, he has, he has ch- kind of changed our thinking on, on, on that. As I was talking about this, and I didn't, my, my crazy mind thinks a little different. Um, I know that there are a lot of Rangers fans in here, right? Go Rangers. That's where Crystal is. You know, Crystal's not here today, so if you ask her why she's skipping church today, because she's at a Rangers game. And so she's going to listen to this, and so there you go, Crystal. But so a couple weeks ago, we were at the Cake Bake, and we were doing all these things for, for the student ministry and raising money for camp. And we're, somebody comes in there screaming, have you seen what Odor did to Bautista? And I'm like, no. So I, you, you look over there, and, you know, I'm a Rangers fan, so I don't like the Blue Jays because you know what happened in the playoffs with the Blue Jays last year. You know, the whole bat flip and all that. If you don't know, you should YouTube it and check it out. But anyway, so there's a, there's a little confrontation at second base, and so what does Odor do? It does. He, he, he punches Bautista right in the face. I was like, that was a good hit. That was, a, that was the best hit he had all year. So that, it was amazing. And so for as a Rangers fan, that was great. Because we don't like the Blue Jays. And, and in my crazy mind that I was reading through this, I kind of thought, well, that's kind of the way that a lot of people think about, um, like, like David. He's like, I don't want nothing to do with those people because they, have, they disrespect you. They, 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 
they uh, do things that we don't like. And that's kind of the way that a lot of Rangers fans feel about the Blue Jays, you know, is that, you know, they disrespected us and they did all these things. Well, and we want nothing to do with them. Okay. And in my, in my crazy mind, I kind of related those two together, whether it makes sense or not. It, it does in my little mind. It makes sense. But that's what David's saying here. It's saying here, I said, I don't want nothing to do with, with evil and the evil things that men desire and devise. And so in, in the last part of this, of this psalm, there's, there's really four things that David says that he, that he prays. One is for God to know him and to expose his thoughts. Okay, we know that God knows him because we, it talked about that in the first part of the psalm. But here David is saying, know me, expose my thoughts. He's wanting God to perfect his thoughts. There's a lot of, there's a lot of thoughts in our mind that are not perfected. There's a lot of things in our minds that shouldn't be there. And he's wanting God to, perf- to perfect those thoughts. He wants God to purge any evil that might remain in him. For me, that needs to be a prayer every day. And I know for some of you, that probably needs to be a prayer for you as well. But we need God. We, we need to pray to God every day to purge evil thoughts and, uh, from, from our minds and evil, evil things within us. And for God, the last thing is, is for God to lead him in the way everlasting. And we're going to talk about the way everlasting here in just a minute. But if you look at this psalm and you look at how it's written... The first, the first very part of the psalm, it's, it's, God, it's David confessing to God. Search me, O God, or you have searched me, and you have known me. You know all my ways. And, and then David ends the psalm with a plea, a prayer, a cry to be searched, to know him, to expose his thoughts. And so I think that is a, a huge lesson for us as we, as we think about David and, and the psalm of confession is that we know that God knows us. We know that God has exposed our thoughts and he knows everything and he's got a purpose for us, okay? But again, that should be a cry and a prayer for us to God every day is that please expose me. Please know my thoughts, perfect my thoughts because we want to, to live a life in the way everlasting. And so we think of, we start, as we talk about the way everlasting, what is the way everlasting? You know, the way everlasting is, is a life that leads to Jesus. And, and Jesus is the only thing that leads to everlasting. Uh, we've, we've spent a lot of time this year on our Kenya team of, of teaching and training how to properly um, present the gospel in an effective manner where people can understand it and you hit the key points. I, I guarantee you, anybody that's going to Kenya knows the four points. You know, And I could call on somebody and they, and they could rattle them off. But it's very important that as, as we close uh, Psalm 139, that we talk about the way everlasting. The first thing that you have to do, and, and for those of you who, who, come to, who have been in church all of your life, this, this applies for us every day. Because one of the things that I learned going through the explicit gospel in the last few weeks is that we need to, we need to preach the gospel to ourselves every day. We can get so complacent and we can get so um, comfortable in our thoughts that we forget what the gospel even is. And so we need to preach the gospel to ourselves every day. The gospel is that, is that we are, we're, we're sinful, okay? God is holy, we are sinful, okay? And Jesus is the only way to bridge that gap. One of the things that I do when, I, when, I, when I'm in Kenya and I talk to some of the Kenyan people is that we talk about the great distance that we have to travel to get from Kenya to America. It's like 8,000 miles, 20 hours on a plane. It's a huge, a huge chasm there that we think of. But it can be bridged. We can jump on a plane and we're there. That separation that we have from God as, as sinful people, 
is not as easy to bridge as far as jumping on a plane. All we have to do is, is ask Jesus. Jesus is that bridge from us being a sinful people to God being holy. Um, as as we, we think about that, guys, there is nothing that you can physically do to win favor with the Lord because if it was up to us, we would screw it up. As we have... I know if you, in Sunday school we were going through the gospel project and we went through the whole sacrificial system and, and how um, the, the, temp, the, the temple and the presence of the Lord and, and, and the, the sacrifices were made as a substitute. Guys, there has to be shedding of blood, pure uh, blood for, for God, for Jesus to save us. And that was done on the cross. Jesus' blood had to be spilled. In, in Hebrews 9.22, it says, Under the law, almost everything is purified, purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And so, remember, guys, when, when it comes to us having a personal relationship with Jesus, that is because of what Jesus has done for us. It's nothing that we could ever do. God does not owe us anything. One of the, the key points of, of the explicit gospel training was that, is that um, we, don't, we, we owe God nothing, or God, God owes us nothing, okay? But we are sinful people, and the only way to bridge that gap is through Jesus, and Jesus paid that price on the cross. And so my, my prayer for you today, that as we close, is that we, we know that, we know John three sixteen. we know that, that for God so loved us that he sent his son for us, that we could live everlasting, Okay? But we also know that John 3.17 says that, that he did not come in the world to, to condemn us, but to save us. God is not up there as a big brother with a thumb on you trying to, to pin you down and not let you have any fun. He came to seek and save us. And my prayer for you today is that if you don't know that, 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 you, would, that you would know that today. As we close, I'm going I'm to pray. And then if you ha- want to talk, I know me, Corey, uh, Hunter will be down here as Tyler and them lead. If you, if you need to talk to anybody about, about a decision that you might want to make uh, to follow the Lord, to follow Jesus, just come talk to us. I hope that as we talk about one, Psalm 139, we talk about the omniscience of God and his just all-knowing, all-powerful self, that, that you find comfort in that, that it's not a threat. It shouldn't be a threat to you. We should find refuge in that. And so I'll pray, and then if you would like to talk to, to one of us, you can come up and we can do that. So let's pray. God, we thank you so much this morning for, for you. We thank you for your presence here. We thank you for your word. God, I pray this morning that, that if there is anyone uh, here who does not know you, God, that they, that they would uh, know you today. God, we thank you for the grace and the mercy that you have shown us through, through the sinning of your son and the death on the cross and, and the sacrifice that was made. God, we, we know that we could never do that on our own and that there had to be a substitute in God, and you sent your son to be that substitute for us. And so, God, this morning, as, as Tyler uh, leads us, God, I pray that if there's anyone here who does not know you, that, um, that they would come to know you today. And so, God, we, we thank you for your word, and we ask things in your name. Amen.